Are you someone who does double session days? Session in the morning, a bit of a break, and then another session towards the end of the day. Do you feel enough for those sessions? Are you recovering as well as you could between those sessions? Or are you someone who struggles, particularly with that second session of the day? Either energy throughout the day, at work, and then into that session, or struggling with gut issues afterwards? If the answer is yes to any of these things, then stick around because this episode is just for you. Hello and welcome to The Long Munch, the nutrition podcast for runners, cyclists and triathletes. I'm Alan McCubbin. And I'm Steph Gaskell. We're both accredited sports dietitians based in Melbourne and combined have over 30 years experience working with runners, cyclists and triathletes to help them stay healthy and optimise their performance from complete beginners through to professional and Olympic athletes. Each episode, we take a deep dive into the most common nutrition questions that runners, cyclists and triathletes ask. The sort of stuff that you're talking about out on your run or ride in the coffee shop afterwards or jumping online to find answers for. So we'll take that question and break it down, inviting a guest expert or an athlete or coach to add their perspective as well. Today it's episode 67A, How Do I Fuel Double Session Days? And this is an in-house episode with Steph and myself. So speaking of, Steph, how are you going this week? I am going good, Al, very, very good. I'm actually down in Adelaide. Oh dear! Yeah, Here we go again. <laughs> enjoying uh, the sun. It's it's wonderful, and and the doggos are enjoying a nice big backyard compared to what they get in Melbourne. So, yep. yeah, yeah, yeah. And what about yourself? Busy, busy. We'll talk about that in a minute. But yeah, lots of things been happening, and uh, lots to discuss in regard to the podcast as well, which we'll get to in just a sec. Yeah, cool. So, if if you do have a a question that you would like answered on the podcast, you can find us on social media at The Long Munch on Instagram, Facebook or X. And remember also that there's now 66 previous questions we've already answered. So if you're new to the podcast, welcome. You might like to check out the back catalogue to see if there's something there that will be helpful to you. Most podcast apps only show you the last few episodes. But if you click back, you'll find the rest of them there going back to November 2020. So, Al, what have you been up to or what have we been up to? Yeah, quite a lot. I guess the first one, which a lot of people would have seen on social media, Steph, is we can now call ourselves an award-winning podcast. (laughs) You want to tell us what happened? Yeah, well, we were nominated for the SDA Sports Nutrition Excellence Award Hour. So, yeah, we were nominated and, and received that one. And, and yeah, we just wanted to say a, a big thank you to our, our guests and our listeners, really. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So the Sports Nutrition Excellence Awards is a whole bunch of different awards in different categories. Stoked to get that award and uh, yeah big thank you to SDA and SDA members who have made up quite a few of the guests that have been on the podcast over the years and and also listeners as well so yeah it was awesome Mm, yeah and you also presented an oral presentation there Al I think you got a, a award for that one too from memory yeah yeah I got second place in the best oral presentation at the conference I guess they can't give it to me every conference because I won it at the previous one. <laughs> so we had to let someone else win. But yeah, congratulations to, to Rachel Scriven, who also does some work. She's not technically enrolled through Monash Uni where we work, but 
did her main research study there actually. So she did sort of work that's an extension of your honours research, Steph. So she was looking at sort of 48-hour low FODMAP diet as a part of a carb-loading protocol and what that does in terms of gut symptoms come exercise or race day, if you like. Yeah, and hers a little bit different again with that 48-hour low FODMAP because she was also aiming to to keep that carbohydrate quite high from, from my memory. So, mm. yeah, I guess that was the a bit of that extension there. So not only going a little bit longer, but, but then increasing the carbohydrate content or making that quite controlled. Mm. And it was good because she was able to show that that you know, lower FODMAP approach for the last two days before a race does work you know it does reduce the the amount of sort of gut symptoms that people are going to get when they're then running the next day mm-hmm. yep yep mm. and what's been happening on the ebook front now because we do keep saying that it's coming don't we yes i think <laughs> we've been saying that since about march <laughs> but yeah no we finally have a launch date Ooh. Yes, absolutely. So, yeah, we're very happy to announce that the ebook will be available for the Black Friday, Cyber Monday weekend, whatever you want to call it, <laughs> which is what that 24th, I think, Black Friday is this year of November. So, yeah, really excited about that. We're just doing the finishing touches now on the book and then got to get into a format that's ready to, to go on sale. So, yeah, stoked about that. Been a lot of work, probably a lot more than we ever appreciated that it would be, but I think that happens every time you write a book for the first time. Mm-hmm. But it will cover basically the the main questions that we've answered on the podcast over the first two years of the podcast. We're coming up to the end of year three at the moment, but it covers the first two years worth of questions on the podcast. It includes a whole bunch of practical tips, suggestions, quotes from guests on the podcast, either practitioners or, or athletes themselves. And a few other, I guess, extra bits of you know spin on things from from our perspective that obviously we don't always get to do when we have the the guest on the podcast. So yeah, really looking forward to that. And if you want to know how and and when you can get your hands on that ebook, you can actually subscribe to our upcoming email newsletter, which is about to kick off as well, Steph. So if you head to thelongmunch.com, you'll see on the the front page there you can sign up for that and then you'll get notified when that's available to purchase and and how you can get your hands on a copy and so the proceeds of that ebook will basically go towards covering the costs of the podcast essentially because podcasting obviously people listen to it for free but people don't realize that in the back end there's there's a few expenses involved in actually getting it up and running and and the infrastructure of you know getting it into everyone's ears so yeah certainly the ebook will help us cover the cost of that which is great. So our question today is how do I fuel on double session days? And we are responding to a listener question actually. It's also one that we do tend to get asked a lot of times from athletes certainly who we work with and it can be quite challenging to kind of work through and manage this. So we're kind of looking at when and how much nutrition do athletes actually need when they're doing these types of days. So double session days, I guess, have always been pretty common in triathletes because obviously they've got three legs to consider. So they've got their swim, bike and and run. So they tend to do a swim and a bike on a day, etc., But it seems that double session days are becoming more and more popular, particularly in running and cycling. And maybe this is because a lot of us are trying to juggle a number of 
things through our week and we're trying to fit our required mileage or particular training load. Yep, absolutely. So I guess the, the first place to start, Steph, is you know what do we mean by double session days? I think the name is relatively obvious, but you know there's double session days and there's double session days and they are a little bit different from person to person. So do you want to, I guess, define what we're kind of talking about here and, and I guess that'll get into some of the challenges that might be associated with it? Yeah, so it's where we complete two types of exercise sessions in a, a single day and the type of sessions can really vary and there might be a, even a mix throughout the, the week. So, you know, you can have more than one dub, double session day in your week. It typically looks like a training session in the morning and then there's another one probably more so in the late afternoon or early evening, depending again on probably whether you're, you're a recreational athlete and having to fit it around work versus if you're more of a professional athlete or you've got more flexibility in your in your day. And yeah, so everyone's really quite different and they've got different schedules to fit around. And then obviously it can also depend if you're a, a triathlete compared to you know, a, a runner or a cyclist. Yeah, absolutely. And and as you said, like it is going to vary a bit. You know, when I was doing, you know, quite a bit of work with the Olympic and Paralympic triathlon guys, you know, they would do three sessions before lunchtime. You know, they would get up, do a, you know, a long run or ride at sort of seven in the morning, come back, have maybe an hour's break, grab something to eat quickly, go to the pool, spend an hour and a half in the pool, have a shower, get changed, have a quick bite to eat, and then head into the gym and do their strength and conditioning work, something like that. And then they'd often have an, a fourth session sort of mid-afternoon as well. So, yeah, obviously it can be different for, for different people, but I guess the, the principles we'll talk about today, you can kind of adapt to whatever your situation is. Mm. And I think some of us don't always think that we're doing double session days because I think it's quite common, you know, could be quite common for us to do you know, whatever our main mode of exercise is, let's say it's running for, for an example. So I might go for a run in the morning and then in the afternoon I'll do a like a strength or, or gym session. So I guess, you know, that is a double session day, but some of us probably don't even think about that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So thinking about, I guess, some of those key considerations that might have an impact on your nutrition approach for a double session day what are the sort of things that we need to consider you know where double session days might be different between different people yeah so i guess athletes need to consider the timing of the sessions so is it am or pm and do they actually have time to consume something prior to the session or not what is the actual time duration between each session so does the athlete have less than eight hours between the session or, you know, do they have longer than that? So if the next session is less than eight hours away, obviously they've got a real limited kind of recovery time. So they need to get quite creative and clever with their nutrition planning. But if their next session isn't really all that demanding perhaps it's an easy shorter session after the am session then maybe they don't even need to really you know kind of worry too much um, about the nutrition prep for that next session we need to think about how demanding the session's actually been so has that first session 
that we've completed demanded a lot from our fuel reserves? Or again, was it more of a kind of a lighter, less demanding session? Maybe it was a bit of a wake up session in the morning for us. And we actually chatted to Dr. Isabella Russo back in episode 14A, which was about recovery nutrition. And we we spoke about those five R's of recovery nutrition, which involved your refueling, talking about your carbohydrate stores, rehydrating, so thinking about what our fluid losses are of that session, repair, rebuild. So do we need to repair muscles and, you know, consider training adaptations after that session? And then the other two R's, which we don't always think about that much, which is regulate and restore, which has got to do with more your immune function and our gut integrity. So how much has that first session potentially disturbed our our gastrointestinal function and integrity? And that will then influence how well we can potentially absorb nutrients after that session. So there's a handy little education social media post that you created, Al, a beautiful, you're great at creating those those tables and that kind of helps athletes go through sort of key things that they need to consider when they're planning out their recovery nutrition so things like what is the duration of the session what's the absolute intensity of that particular exercise and this obviously will influence the amount of carbohydrates that you use also the fluid loss and what the actual overall stress is on the body. So there's guidance within that post as to the amounts to consider for each of the R's that we just mentioned. So if you flick back through our Instagram or Facebook profiles, you'll find it posted on January the 11th this year. The other thing we need to consider is also like what's the actual purpose of the session that's coming up? So, you know, how important is it that we actually fully recover between sessions? Is it important or is it not all that important depending on our purpose? And, yeah, double session days typically result in an athlete expending a reasonable amount of energy across the the day. So while each session on paper may not actually look like it's all that demanding in isolation if you were to put them together into an actual single session then that kind of looks completely different doesn't it so that's the reason that sometimes you need to consider fueling these sessions a little more aggressively than you would if you were only doing one of them in a day so yeah they're the kinds of things I think we need to consider Yep. And now, how can an athlete now actually work out what the nutritional demands are of the session? Yeah, it's a little bit of a how long's a piece of string question mm-hmm. because obviously depending on what type of session it is, the, the fitness of the athlete, the size of the athlete, if it's you know swimming, bike, run, that kind of thing will all, all make a bit of a difference. And I guess we've looked at at each of these bits kind of in isolation before you know we've discussed you know what do i eat and drink before exercise way back in episode 2a of the podcast with dr sam impey we've looked at the during exercise part in episode 39a with professor Asky yerkendrup but i guess as you just mentioned steph sometimes you may need to be a little bit more aggressive when you know you've only got limited recovery time 
to the second session, you might have to be a little bit more aggressive in your fueling the first session than you would otherwise if it was just a single session day. And I guess generally speaking, you know, unless you're on a keto diet or you're riding on a bike at less than, say, about 150 watts or running at less than about 8Ks an hour, and that's a, a sort of back of the envelope equation if you're about 65 kilos, for example, then you know if you're above that kind of power or that speed in running, you are going to be using more carbohydrate per minute or per hour than what you could consume in training anyway. So I guess regardless of you know the session, unless it's really light, you're always not going to be able to prevent at least some level of depletion of those glycogen stores, you know, the, mus- the muscle stores of carbohydrate. So it is going to be depleted to at least some extent. Obviously, the bigger the session, the more that will happen. Now, that's not necessarily a problem because you've still got at least an hour or two and usually several hours between those two sessions, you know, to be able to replenish those stores. So provided you focus on on that and, and you sort of do that with purpose, I think it's not usually too much of a problem for most people. And I guess everyone has a slightly different take on this. This is more about the during exercise fueling part. But I guess the, the general rule of thumb that I would start with with most athletes would be if you're doing a session, say the first session, but it could apply to the second one as well, and that session is less than an hour in length, I'm probably not really going to worry about fueling much in that session apart from maybe sips of a carb containing drink simply for a performance benefit you know we know that you know if you mouth rinse with carbohydrate and spit it out you can get a performance benefit from that so that's kind of the the vibe I'm, I'm going with there and you're only doing that hour if you're kind of yeah going for a quality session so you're doing yeah. something like intervals yeah absolutely so there's no need to do that on your your coffee shop ride or or easy run or whatever it is yeah for sure. Now, if the session is over an hour, but less than two, then I guess if, again, if there are efforts involved and the quality of those efforts is important because that's the purpose of the session, then yeah, I'm probably going to start purposefully fueling with carbohydrate during that session. Now, the exact amount will vary depending on what you're used to, what your gut tolerance is, these sorts of things, but around sort of 50 to 60 grams an hour as a minimum is probably a good kind of starting point to aim for but again if you're never used to getting more than about 20 grams an hour in you probably wouldn't necessarily jump to that tomorrow you might have to work your way up to that from a a gut tolerance point of view now if the session is more than two hours then i'm purposefully fueling regardless of the intensity of the session if the session has more intensity in it you know say you're going off for a ride and doing some hill repeats or something like that then yeah i'm probably going to be a bit more aggressive with that fueling say up to maybe 90 grams an hour of carbohydrate but if it's you know two hour you know long slow run or ride maybe don't need to go quite that aggressively i guess the other reason that you might again deliberately push that fueling a bit more than you would otherwise is simply because if you have two sessions a day as you said before steph like you're just burning through a lot of calories. And so if you're spending a lot of, you know, significant part of your day, you know, two or three hours of your day running and riding, that's time that you can't be snacking or eating a meal. And so, you know, what you're eating during those sessions also forms just part of the overall calories that you're getting in during the day and, and meeting your overall calorie needs as well. So, you know, particularly for an athlete where I'm under, you know, I'm concerned that they might be under fueling or they're, they're at risk of low energy availability, again, I might push that carbs a little bit more aggressively in training, maybe more than, than you would otherwise imagine for that kind of a session. So that's the, the fueling side of things. The next thing we consider is the fluid needs. So often athletes drink a lot less in training, particularly on those sort of weekday sessions compared to maybe their long run or ride on the weekend 
or obviously in a race situation. And that can be for various reasons. Sometimes it's because it's hard to just carry that amount of fluid with you in those sessions on a weekday, especially for runners. Uh, Sometimes it's because people just don't make the time to get organized when they have early morning starts for that morning session or they're rushing from work to do that second session after work again. They're just not not organized to take that fluid with them or or have what they need to carry that fluid with them. Sometimes it's just because they don't feel the need to do it. You know, the session isn't long enough. I don't really need that much fluid. You know, you're just not going to become significantly dehydrated during that session. Now, most of the time, that's not really a major concern and you can adequately rehydrate in between sessions. But there are circumstances where it can be really hot. And I'm thinking, you know, in humidity as well. You know, I, I work with some athletes in Queensland and certainly in the summer there, they have to train ridiculously early just because the humidity is so high that if you don't, you're just not going to get the session done pretty much. Um, but also if, if you're doing a really big session in the morning, either because of the intensity, because it's an unusually warm day over the summer, or it's a really long session, or there's very limited time in between sessions, then you might want to think a bit more carefully about your hydration needs and and specifically do some testing like we often do for race day, but do that in the context of training. You know, How much fluid do I actually need in these sessions? How much fluid am I losing in these sessions and am I faced with a deficit that I need to make up between session one and session two of the day? And if, you, if you're not sure about the, the actual testing process, how to work out your sweat rate, we covered that off in episode 53. So you can go back and have a listen to that as well if you want. Mm. Yeah. And so do athletes only need to consider the session's nutritional demands and therefore replace those stores or do they need to consider what the next session is and what the goals are for that session also yeah no definitely you need to look ahead especially if you only have a limited opportunity to replenish those carb stores or fluid in between sessions and particularly when as you said earlier Steph that second session is a particularly demanding one or you you know you really want the quality of that session to be as good as it can be so either you know it's very high intensity or it's a very long session then yeah definitely you'd be wanting to be looking ahead and thinking what have I got coming up and what does that mean for fueling in session one but also you know how aggressively do I need to look after that recovery in between the two sessions Mm, yep and what's the worst thing that can happen and or how can the athlete benefit from fueling well yeah I mean there's a few things from you know a minor inconvenience through to you know more major things I guess firstly yeah if you're just not recovering well between sessions then the quality of that second session is probably going to be compromised so you depending on how you're training scheduled if that second session is a is meant to be a quality session and you do you know you have a lot of your quality sessions in the afternoon then possibly you're going to you know end up getting less benefits from training over time because you're simply not getting the most out of those sessions which are meant to be the I kind of I guess those key sessions that are really going to drive those adaptations that make you fitter faster stronger whatever it is I guess the other thing that that we often see a bit, Steph, and I'm sure you'll agree with me with this, is you know athletes just feeling lethargic and unmotivated to do the second session because they're so worn out from the first one and they're not feeling like they're bouncing back very well between those two sessions. And this can not only affect you know your ability to do that second session or the motivation to even do it in the first place, but it can affect some people's performance at work. You know they just say, "Oh, I'm just so wiped out. I'm really struggling." with my work during the afternoon and family life, you know, life outside of work and outside of training. You know, we do have a life outside of sport and outside of work. So yeah, obviously you want to make sure you 
you're still feeling like you've got the energy to to participate in all of that as well. We've got things like, you know, the risk of low energy availability from just being underfueled, and particularly if you're doing double sessions frequently, like a lot of triathletes will do that four or five days a week is not uncommon. So there's all the health and performance consequences that that come along with low energy availability and, and relative energy deficiency in sports. So that is something that we have to be really conscious of. So if you're not adequately fueling between a morning and evening session, and then you only have one meal at night after that evening session, and then you get up and repeat a double session day again the next day, you know, that's only going to compound across the week. And you often hear athletes say that, you know, I've got three double session days in a row, and by the end of that, I'm just completely wiped out. But I guess what we're talking about here is more sort of chronic underfueling, and that's an even bigger issue to the point where, you know, obviously there's risks of things like stress fractures and things. So there is a, an increased risk of injury that could occur with, you know, not getting this right in terms of adequately fueling and recovering from those double session days. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And the other one, I guess, to, to think about as well is gut issues as well. Our, we'll talk about that a bit more in our tips for, for nutrition for, for that. Yep. And certainly I, I see this, Steph, and I'm, I'm sure you're probably the same. I definitely get a lot more athletes report gut issues in the second session of the day than the first session of the day. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, definitely. And I was definitely one of those runners that, that experienced that as well. So let's say I, I have a double session day. It's been a while since I've done that now, Al. <laughs> but, but typically for me, a double session, well, one of my double session days was on a Tuesday. So the first session, let's say it's an easy AM 60-minute run. And then later in that afternoon, let's say early evening, I have a 75-minute fartlek speed quality running session. Straight after my early morning session, I have to run off to to work. See what I did there? Run off to to work. (laughs) Very good. You're hitting hitting (laughs) it out of the park there, Steph. (laughs) So I have to run off to work. My work's pretty busy and it's labour intensive. I find that I barely get time to fit breaks in for my nutrition and and fueling. So, Al, what do I need to do? What should I consider here? Mm. Yeah, well, I guess there's kind of two aspects to this, isn't there? One is the, you know, what do I need from a nutrition point of view? And the second part is how do I get that from a food perspective? How does that translate into the actual meals and snacks that I'm going to eat? So let's start off with the nutrition component to that. And obviously that will vary, as we've said, you know, throughout, is depending on how demanding that first session was, the time until the second session how demanding that is obviously in the example you just gave first session maybe not so hard second session is the the quality one where you want to really get that work done i guess the first thing i'd say there even before nutrition is actually looking at how your training is programmed and i know you know some coaches i work with for example deliberately put the quality sessions in the morning and the easier session in the afternoon for that reason, that it's easier to get the easy session done in the afternoon than it is to get a quality session done. Now, that doesn't always work for whatever reason. So I'm not saying you have to do that or you should really try to do that, but certainly where you can get that into programming, that can be helpful for some people. You know, you can come in a bit more rested into that morning session that's a bit harder if you've got a hectic day at work and then plan your easier session at the end of the day. But if we, we look at that from a purely nutrition point of view, I guess the general focus is those principles of recovery will be around, you know, getting a decent serving of protein in. So for most people, that's going to be about 20 to 30 grams of protein in one hit. 
and then carbohydrate. So if that first session was demanding, you're probably talking in the realm of 50 to 100 grams of carbs in that first hour or two after exercise. Obviously, if it wasn't a demanding session, the carb component may not be so important. You'd probably want to keep the protein in there though. And then again, fluid needs post-exercise will depend greatly on you know how sweaty you were basically during that first session and you know how how much time you've got to, to drink that back again but yeah they're I guess the key things that you'd be thinking about in that immediate hour or two you know after that session and then you know if you really yeah you know, that first session was really hard and you had to replenish a lot of carbohydrate then you know, obviously you have to focus on higher carb meals and snacks throughout the rest of the day and getting in sort of regular protein serves across the day and you probably should be doing that regardless anyway, every kind of four to six hours as much as you can of that 20 to 30 grams of protein. So meals or snacks that provide this combination is ideal, but remember that it doesn't have to come from all the one food. So sometimes I think people think recovery, okay, I need something that provides fluid and protein and carbohydrate in one package. And then they think, you know, chocolate milk, for example. Yes, you can get it from chocolate milk, but you don't have to get it from chocolate milk. You could get, you know, the protein from eggs, you get the carbs from bread, you can get the fluid from water. Same nutrients, just different packaging. So I guess it's more than about convenience. And that's particularly important in the scenario you gave, Steph, where you have to run off to work, then you've got a busy day at work, and then you've got to go straight to training afterwards. So if we start off with the morning, I guess this might be a time where it's not going to be that appropriate to sit down, you know, go back into the kitchen at home, cook up some eggs, get fancy with your overnight oats and putting all these extra, you know, berries and nuts and seeds and things on it in the morning, whatever it is, or making a smoothie that has 15 ingredients. It's just going to take too long and you're in a hurry to get to work. So probably that's not going to be so practical. So sometimes it is, you know, going for things that are a bit more simple, things like an up and go and a banana or a protein shake, or just, you know, some quickly some toast and then something else to get the protein in with that. So something that's quick, easy to grab, you can eat on the run as well. Using your commuting time wisely can be helpful. So if you do have a long commute into work after you train in the morning, whether that's having a snack in the car or on the train along the way, if you, like a lot of triathletes, I know that if they're training not too far from the city, they'll then bike commute to work if they're they're working in the CBD or something like that. So, you know, having things, you know, your recovery snacks that you can actually eat while you're riding, assuming that you're not, you know, pushing the pace too hard while you're riding, that can be an opportunity to actually get some of that nutrition in while you're actually commuting to work as well. And then, you know, some people might opt to have that recovery meal at work, particularly if they train close to where they work. So having suitable options ready for you at work, you know, if there's a fridge there, stocking that up with the things that you need, whether it's you know, milk, yogurt, you know, whatever it is that you prefer to have, whether it's taking convenience things that you can just put in a drawer and pull out and add water to, it's going to vary obviously from person to person based on, you know, your own food preferences and what your setup is there. Now, I guess throughout the day, if someone has minimal breaks in their work, I'd be then thinking, well, are there portable foods that I can just sort of graze on at my desk while I'm working or on the job if I'm not in a kind of a desk job? And sometimes it is a bit of a matter of being very pragmatic about this and and realizing that something is still better than nothing. So just because you can't sort of quote unquote do the perfect nutrition in terms of getting the exact amount of protein or the exact amount of carbs or getting it in, you know, whole foods that aren't, you know, don't come in packaging and things like that. I mean, that would be ideal, but a lot of people's work scenarios just simply don't allow for that. Or if they do, 
you're you're not going to be able to eat enough to to meet your needs. So in those cases, going for some of the the more refined, the more packaged, the more convenience options might be necessary in some scenarios. Obviously, if you're doing you know, five days a week of double session days, you don't want that to start to become the majority of your day-to-day diet. So you do have to be a little bit careful about that. But if it's only one day a week or something, then that that might be a little bit of a get-out-of-jail card for you, I guess. Sometimes you will have to go with sort of higher-calorie foods, what I guess what we call more energy-dense foods, so foods that have more calories per amount of food or volume of food, just so it is quicker and easier to get those calories in rather than having to sit there and eat and eat and eat and eat to actually get in what you need. Like we've talked about in the past with carbohydrate loading, and and we're not suggesting that you need to do that here, but using fluids as a source of both carbohydrate and or protein can be helpful here as well, particularly if it's something you need to get down in an awful hurry or you just don't want to feel you know, sort of too full. So things like using shakes, using flavoured milks or plant milks, using smoothies and juices and things like that. You know, there's a reason that these get used a lot, for example, in pro cycling in in stage races, because they just need to get in a lot of a lot of calories, a lot of protein, a lot of carbs in a situation where there's not much time and there's not much gut tolerance to do that and the people are pretty exhausted so you know there's a reason that those those fluids get used in those kind of scenarios and you can leverage that day-to-day in in work as well now for lunch times you know you may need on double session days to go for your lower fiber options to be able to feel more comfortable into that afternoon session you mentioned before Steph that obviously gut issues can be a you know, certainly more common for that second session of the day. So again, if you, you're having, you know, some source of carbs, rice or pasta or bread or something like that, going for lower fiber versions of those, the more white or refined versions might be important on those days when you're having a double session day. And also avoiding going overboard with the protein component. Yes, you need your 20 to 30 grams, but you don't need 60 or 70 grams. You, know, you don't need to go out to lunch and have a you know 300 gram steak or a whole chicken breast or anything like that. It's just not necessary and it's going to fill you up more than you need to when possibly you could be getting in some more carbs to help with that refueling process if that is important on that, that particular day. And I guess the other one thinking about that you know, not overdoing it would be the fat content of that meal as well. So again, if it's a really fatty meal that you're having, it's got a lot of oil or butter or whatever it is in it, that's probably going to compound any sort of gut issues that you then have, you know, going into that afternoon session as well. And so that's during the day. And I guess that the final opportunity to get some nutrition in is that kind of final prep for the second session itself. So when you're on the way to that session, having a snack, like you would before a morning session. So if if you're someone who's going to snack on a banana before a morning session, you could do the same before the afternoon session. You may need to do some gut training to feel more comfortable with this. As we said, it is more common in that second session of the day. But certainly, yeah, using that opportunity when you're in transit from work to training, using that that time that you have to get some food in if you're struggling to fit it into your day. So I guess the the next thing to think about, Steph, is kind of the opposite to that in a way. So we've just talked about, you know, for people struggling to get enough in, how you manage that while you're you know, at work between session days. But, you know, some listeners might be mindful of body composition and cautious of actually overfueling and overdoing it in between. And I guess that might be a concern is you, you do, you know, maybe a swim in the morning and you're ravenously hungry and you're worried about overeating throughout the day between the two sessions. Any thoughts or, or suggestions around that? 
Mm. Yeah, and I think that's probably a large amount of our listeners out. Like, you know, we know that endurance athletes, they do worry obviously about body composition because it, it does play a, play a role for them in, in, you know, their performance depending on what aims are for them. So really it comes down to having a good understanding of what the, you know, overall fuel and energy needs are of that particular session and and also throughout the the week like you know also what is your actual total training load during the week because some days maybe you can't actually get in the amount that you need to and so there is a bit of carryover on the following day and so that's where you know we really do want to try and periodize our our nutrition and this can become quite tricky at times And that might be where the individual wants to seek more qualified professional support from a sports dietitian because, you know, like if we, you know, when we're seeing athletes and working with athletes, we actually think about the overall training load and we then go in and estimate, okay, well, what's the energy needs? And then we go in and we do some maths and calculations and, again, have have an estimate of what those carbohydrates, proteins and fats are. And then we go in and become a bit clever and creative with putting that into to food. So, yeah, I think if there's athletes that are struggling with that and, and becoming really worried that they may overconsume, then perhaps that's where you can seek out, you know, professional advice to help you nut that out. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I talked before about, I guess, how to pack more calories, more carbohydrate, etc., into a small amount of food. There's obviously strategies that you can use to do the exact opposite of that. So if you're needing to bulk out the meal to sort of satisfy a big appetite when actually you, your energy needs maybe aren't so great, you know, there are options to do that as well. So, yeah, I, I think we can, you can, you can manipulate it in both directions if need be. Yeah. 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 Okay, so let's move on to some of the, the practical stuff now, Steph. We talked about, I guess, the types of foods and, and how you might fit that into the day, but any other kind of particular tips or tricks that you can give us that might be useful for athletes around that sort of getting organised for double session days? Yeah, I think you covered off some really good tips just before, but I think number one, make time. And that sounds really bloody obvious, but there's a large amount of us that don't make time for nutrition. We make time for training, but we we still struggle to do it for our nutrition for some bizarre reason. So like I just mentioned before, it does actually take some time to sit down, actually consider what your training load is, what the demands are, therefore what your nutrition and fuel needs are, what the purpose of those sessions are. But once you actually do take a little bit of time and and think about those things, then you can come up with a nutrition plan to support those goals. And that plan will change over time. However, it's a good kind of guide and, and framework to be able to work off. And I think this becomes more and more important the busier that you get that you actually do need to to make time we need to plan ahead where we can so maybe you enjoy and you 
prefer to cook from from scratch and there'll be many of us that do like that and and like you said before you know we do tend to like to eat more whole foods and that's fantastic and really good for our for our health but perhaps sometimes you just can't manage to fit all of that in and that's okay maybe you can do some bulk cook-ups during the week and maybe you need to plan what those days are where you do those bulk cookups. There's times where you'll probably need to go and do those grab and go items like fruit and veggies that can be easily consumed or um, you might be able to cut them up so they're easy to consume. You've got things like cans of tuna with pre-cooked rice, hard-boiled eggs that you might have been able to do the night before, breakfast ideas could be things like the, the bircher or just even getting a really easy cereal mix ready the night before. Cook some staples like pasta and rice salad that you use that as a base and then you can add in different types of proteins to that mix. And also it's important to think about what your appetite is like after particular sessions because as you've mentioned, you know, there's some sessions where we might have a ravenous appetite and then there'll be other sessions where Perhaps we don't have as big appetite, but we actually do need to get those calories in. So that may be where we need to go for more liquid calories in that situation. And consider whether you you will have time to, to fit something reasonable in pre or after session and, and whether perhaps you need to fuel a little more the night before to help allow for this. So perhaps you need to do a bigger dinner the night before Think about what are practical foods for you and your work environment. So do you have access to a fridge or a microwave at work? That's going to influence what you're going to to plan. And do you find liquid nutrition is more practical for you at times or, you know, are you not a fan of that? So, yeah, maybe you can't always fit in a bigger meal during the workday. And therefore, it means that you need to take a bunch of smaller meals and snacks that you can consume more frequently throughout the day. So things like fruit, nuts, seeds, tub of yogurt, you know, liquid nutrition are just some examples that you could use throughout the day. Be creative. Often I actually find athletes can underestimate the demands a session has actually had on their carbohydrate needs. And maybe also some athletes just don't simply understand the amount they should be trying to get in prior to the next session. So again, that depends on what the session and purpose is, but think of clever ways that you can sneak those carbs in and and get them in throughout the day. So if you do like liquid nutrition, you can add some oats and, you know, some starchy fruit into that liquid nutrition. With your salad, you can add rice, potato, corn, you know, those types of things. And just find opportunities. So perhaps there are opportunities for you to also fuel during one of the sessions like you mentioned, just depending on what the session is. And um, maybe the session isn't even that demanding, but it's long, which means that it is creeping into your fueling time and therefore your daily energy needs. If you miss out on fueling during a longer exercise session, then that could result in an even bigger energy deficit, like you said before, our. 
So I'm trying to get in some recovery nutrition soon after the session so you don't miss the, the opportunity. And, and yeah, as we mentioned, consider any potential gastrointestinal issues prior to that second workout. So this may mean that you need to consider food and nutrition options that are easier to digest prior to your next session. And this is going to be very different for each individual. So yeah, it's a bit of kind of working out how you, you respond. As you get closer to your workout and you have less time to digest, then generally going for foods that are lower fiber fat options and that potentially provide a bit more energy and then you know you've got time to digest that so an example could be a white bagel with spread like jam or something like that or if it needs to be even more simple it could be a banana and and finally as we always like to harp on our is gut training so it may take some time for your gut to actually adapt to those double session days and getting that food in you need to to train it and just be patient with it. And I know for me, definitely when I was starting out in those double session days, I would find I'd get kind of like a lot of symptoms during that second session. And I just kind of had to persevere a bit with it to, to help my gut kind of, you know, get used to it and adapt. Mm-hmm. And we've talked about that before on the podcast, you know, from a gut training perspective, if you're not feeling any discomfort at the start, you know, you're probably not going to get much adaptation in terms of that gut training because you're not really pushing the gut's level of tolerance and giving it a reason to adapt. And so it's, you know, it's easy to fall into that trap of, oh, I had an uncomfortable session, so I'm not going to eat anymore before my sessions. Well, that's just a vicious cycle, isn't it? You're never going to get more comfortable in those sessions if you never push that limit. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I think, you know, what you're saying before, Steph, is I think so important is just about the making time. And I think it's one of the things that gets really underappreciated, particularly in the competitive age group scene, where, you know, you're not professional athletes, you have day jobs, but people are training, you know, 15, 20 hours, sometimes more a week. Like that's really dipping into the realm of, you know, that's almost another job in in terms of the time it takes to do that training. And, you know, along with that training comes all the recovery aspects. There's all the, you know, the stretching and recovery bits and pieces. And, of course, the nutrition aspect as well. If you're doing that much training, that's a lot of eating and you've got to put aside that time to do that eating. So when you get to that time where it's really encroaching to almost the point of a professional athlete, then you kind of have to treat the nutrition like a professional athlete and and make the time. And, you know, sometimes, you know, having a full-time job and then full-time training and full-time eating, they the three of them just don't work together and and that's like I guess a lifestyle choice that people have to make but I guess if you if you don't get that right as we said like the consequences can be fairly severe in terms of recurrent injuries illnesses or or other sort of health issues down the track Mm, yeah yep yep so I think the bit of time it takes you at the start will save you a lot of pain down down the end if you're not getting it right Absolutely. A very common theme, I guess, across nutrition in general is plan and be prepared. If you're a bit overplanned, not the end of the world, but if you're underplanned, yeah, it can definitely come back to bite you. Yeah. Yep. So hopefully our, that was helpful for our, our listeners and, and for the listener that did ask that question and we would like to follow up this episode with a athlete we're just chasing up 
an, an athlete at the moment. So, yeah, bear with us on that. Yes, yeah, absolutely. So we can't say who it is. Hopefully, fingers crossed, in two weeks' time, we will have an athlete to talk about this exact topic. Uh, if not, we'll have to go on to the next one. But, yeah, we'll see how we go. Yeah, yeah. And so just wrapping up now, Al, a reminder that if you do have a question that you would like answered on the podcast, you can contact us at The Long Munch on Instagram, Facebook or X, a.k.a. Twitter. Thanks to those people who have left ratings and reviews on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. We really appreciate it. And if you listen on one of these platforms and have a few seconds to to spare, then we'd love it if you could give us a quick rating or review. And those that leave a review on Apple Podcasts will go into a draw to win a copy of our ebook, which you heard is going to be out very soon. So if you want to know when or how to get your hands on the ebook, well, it launches in a few weeks. So you can sign up for our upcoming email newsletter at thelongmunch.com. But otherwise, Al? Yeah, we're going to love you and leave you if I've got that right. You have, you have. We'll see you in a couple of weeks. Will do. See you then. 